Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. This is Eric Pennington. This is a special year-end best-of episode. We've compiled some highlights from our best shows of 2021, and we hope that you'll find these to be as inspiring as they were to create. Many of them are insightful, some are funny, and others, well, they just reveal why emotional intelligence is so important for all of us. We hope you'll enjoy, and Happy New Year. Uh, Leanne, did, did, was, there, was there something um, that a bell you heard uh, in the beginning that said something needs to go in a different direction? Tell, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. For me, the message has been finding beauty in the chaos. And um, and lately it's turned into finding beauty in the opposition, which is a little even step mm-hmm. further. Right. But about 10 years ago, I started doing macro photography out of a need to um, not hate Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was stuck in Ohio right. and I thought nothing beautiful is in Ohio. I want Especially to in, in the wintertime. Oh, especially gray and brown, all the gray and brown you could ever want. So much dead. <laughs> and uh, it became, uh, I was that seasonal disorder, whatever you get. Yes. I was like crashing hard. I hated it. I was becoming this resentful, mm. angry Ohioan. Right, <laughs> like, right. And so I thought, I have got to make a change, you know, and mm. it's, uh, it was an intentional moment where I shifted and it, it was almost like a scavenger hunt that I started for myself. Like, I'm going to go out and find beauty right where I am. And I didn't think I was going to find it. I was actually just very skeptical myself. I'm like, mm-hmm. but, and I brought some examples for you to see later. What I ended up finding was amazing. And it was, um, I decided to go out like a curious kid, you know, like mm-hmm. I'd watch my own daughters and I'd see the way that they would, you know, bend down real close to things and see these things and in a different way and be so awestruck by, you know, a bee and a flower and all that kind of stuff. So that's where it kind of started for me. I started making this shift and finding this beauty in the um, ordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary beauty in the ordinary and showing other people, you know, that was my thing. I was like, look what I found today. And what I found is that other people were like also amazed because these are things we saw every day, just do drop on a grass, a piece of grass, nothing like this is not Hawaii with the big, you know, waterfalls or anything like that. We're talking about in anyone's yard, you go out there and you can see this. And you know, what's interesting, um, as you mentioned that to Leanne, um, and Jeff, I'm not going to fail you. 
because I'm going to bring a musical <laughs> reference every episode. So. He counts on me for this. Well, and, it's and, not always him. <laughs> right, that's true. So, yes, take some blame, yeah. too. All right. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of, um, of a song um, from Crowded House. Um, and that's a band from the late, or probably mid, late 80s, I'm sure. English. Neil Finn uh, new, uh, from New Zealand. I believe that's where New Zealand, from. okay. Because yeah. yeah. Neil Finn's a songwriter, wonderful voice. Mm-hmm. So the name of the song by Crowded House is Fingers of Love. There, there is a line in the song that says something to the effect of seeing every blade of grass shiver in the wind. Mm-hmm. I love that song, right? And it was just like, I got it on my playlist and I'm going out for a walk and it is one of those Ohio winter days <laughs> and I'm out and I'm paying attention to the grass and the wind blowing it. Yeah. And Leanne, I had—I don't remember a, ever a time in my life where I even paid attention, purposeful paying yes, attention yes. to go, that's blades of grass shivering, blowing in the wind. Mm. And when you said that, that's what it triggered me. I'm going, I remember that. Yeah. And I got to tell you, because I, like you, had this corporate background for a lot of years. If you would have came to me during my corporate career and said, hey, did you know that when the grass encounters the wind, it kind of makes it look like it's shivering, Eric? I would have said, thanks for that. I got a meeting. When we think about self-care, and this is not, self-care is not in just in a certain silo. It is connected to the mindset piece, mm-hmm. which which we'll get to here in a bit. But self-care is how we treat our physical, our mental, our spiritual, emotional person mm-hmm. that we are. And I'm not going to get into, okay, here are the five tips to a greater physical well-being or anything like that. I'm going to give you a simple idea that you can use. For example, look at your diet, your nutrition, and ask yourself, is what I'm eating making my life better? And in this case, your physical life. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't need to send Jeff or I an email reporting to us your food diary and what you did and what you didn't do. Because this is not about judgment. Uh, it, we're not in a place where we even have an inkling of a desire to tell you what's good and bad about what you eat and your nutrition. All we're saying is you do your inventory and you do your assessment and ask yourself, And if the answer to that question is uh, maybe 75% of what I eat does make my life better, my physical life better, then what about the 25%? Yeah, I need to to look at that. Hey, when are you going to look at that? By when? And and again, it's it's just doing an assessment. It's like a self-assessment. It's this inventory, right? Same thing with exercise. Same thing with your mental health, right? All of these things, just simple. You know, I, I, because we're so electronically connected now in different ways, yeah. I, I've recommended, and I've done this myself, who are you following mm-hmm. on Facebook or Twitter? Or Okay, that's a great one, Jeff, and I'm interrupting you because I want you to stay there because when we get to mindset, okay. that, that one really, really is a big one. Right? Okay. So, simple equation. 
is what I am eating, drinking, moving, exercise, mental stress management, is it making my life better as it pertains to that particular area? Mm -hmm. As it relates to product development, um, Kevin, um, and I'm going to go from my... uh, my failed experiments and ideas, right? Even back to those times, you know, when you were having coffee with a close friend and you began to talking about, well, man, what if there was this app that did this and did this? And then you start getting excited. You get that, you know, that elation and uh, anticipation going. And you really think you're the next, you know, fill in the blank, right? And I know that's not enough to develop a product, but could you talk a little bit about Uh, with the role of emotional intelligence and our audience knows we define that as the management management of your thoughts and your emotions to make optimal decisions so with that definition in mind what role does emotional intelligence play in product development just maybe starting at a high level yeah i appreciate that so at a a high level well a couple things first um you're, you're right this does extend beyond just product so it's it's importance in products you know i'm a firm believer in but a lot of the principles we discuss here are relevant to business uh they translate to our personal lives so there's a tremendous amount of overlap here mm-hmm. um and then at that high level what you just uh stated is, is quite true it's it's you know how we choose to interact with our emotions that really uh impact things and you can only do that when you are at that higher level. We, so many um, actions are driven through fear, and that fear is triggered by um, the amygdala, the you know the lizard brain. Mm-hmm. And when we tr- when we flip into that, because something has panicked us, we're having an anxiety attack, we're we're fearful of some outcome. Um, that creates that fight or flight response, and we are no longer operating at that higher brain function where we can tap into that emotional intelligence. So, you know, the first thing is both, you know, the people we're interacting with and with ourselves, if we can keep ourselves out of that fear uh, moment, you know, or if we identify it and kind of step back from it, that's when we get a little bit of chance to interact with that, uh, that emotional intelligence. I mean, you could say you're forced to do some things. So you're balancing things that you're forced to do with trying to create authentic change with people. And sometimes that can be challenging because you have some folks who are like, wow, this is great. We should be doing this. And then you have others who are like, "Okay, how much longer do we have to do this? And how quickly can we get through it? And it was a seven-year consent decree. So we're not talking a couple of months. Yeah. You know? And so the, the great thing is, is when you look at organizational change and when you start to see evidence of that and those mm-hmm. things that whatever you're trying to do take root, you start seeing those changes at the five-year mark. So we were fortunate that all of those things that we were doing, mm-hmm. even though we were doing them because we had to do them. There was change that was really starting to take root in attitudes and behaviors and, you know, common language that was being established and people really beginning to see um, a shift in the organization. One of the things uh, that I wanted to talk about, uh, and I know I, I butchered the acronym in the beginning, and then you just mentioned again how we added 
equity interview. Mm-hmm. So if you were to, if somebody listening now would say, okay, so how are you defining it? Well, what what is DEI? What does it mean to, and maybe not so much to the the person that's in that world. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're sure. in an organization where they're hearing it a lot mm-hmm. more these days. If not, it's like now there are programs. So talk mm-hmm. about your vision around sure. that. So for me, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and again, I mentioned sort of the evolution of right. it. And I think we've we've seen, you know, so diversity for in my mind is this broad term of all of the things that make us different. Right. Um, that um, define who we are on the inside and on the outside. So it's this combination of things that you see about a person, those things you don't see about a person. Okay. Um, and when we talk about that in North America you know, in the United States, it's generally focused on a couple of things. It's race, gender, sexual orientation, maybe religion, maybe immigrant status. But um, I have always been um, a student of um, a model that we've always, that I've used in my work um, that was created by Garden, Schwartz, and and Rowe, two professors. Mm -hmm. Um, And they propose that there are 24 dimensions of diversity. Um, There's four layers of diversity. Um, And so you have at the center of that is your personality. You get to the um, internal dimensions, which are things like race, gender, sexual orientation, ability. Then you move out into external dimensions, which are like geographic locations. Mm -hmm. And then we go into um, organizational dimensions, like where you are in the organization, your tenure, content, work. So that is diversity. I like to use that definition because I think we tend to get stuck on a couple of things. Right. And when you start looking at the broadness of how diversity can be defined, I think it might cause some paradigm shift in terms of how you talk about diversity. Okay, Um, Inclusion is just what do you do with that diversity? It's not just enough to say, oh, we hired all of these people or we have this, 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 and this. You can take it off. But... How does it feel when those people come to work every single day? Are Mm. they seen? Are they valued? Or do they feel like they're just, yeah, they're checking that box of that aspect of diversity that you need. And then Mm. the equity piece is creating a space where people not only equally are involved, right, but they're um, involved in such a way where you're taking into consideration their situation or their circumstance. So the way that plays out for me, for example, in education, Mm -hmm. we say, okay, we want to provide equal access to all students. But in doing so, equity says, I need to be mindful of where that student is coming from or their experience and their background and give that student what they need Mm -hmm. to be successful in the classroom. It may not be exactly the same for all students. So in my mind, equity takes us one step past equality saying, hey, I do this for everybody. But what you do for everybody may not necessarily be enough to get that person to a level of where they're successful and being able to climb over the fence like the next person. And I really believe that the employees and the employer will be much happier and and proud of what they're doing. Yeah, that's great. That's great because um, I've thought about this um, with some advice I've given my son one time about work, you know, and I said, you know, it's really, really important to find the work that you really feel fits who you are. I said, because you, you, you need to face the reality 
every job's gonna have stuff that you hate to do. Mm -hmm. The trick is, is finding the work that you really dig so that when the bad stuff that you don't want to do comes along, you're in a much better place. And I think that's kind of uh, like what you're talking about. Yeah, because, you know, we've talked about all the competencies that we use in our model of EQ, and some of those competencies will help you get through that stuff that maybe you don't like doing because yeah. you, you can understand that, you know, the consequence of me not doing this. Yep. It's or the consequence of me doing it. You you have to look at that yeah. and see. Well, if I go ahead and do it, good things are going to happen. Yeah. If I yeah. don't do it, you know, um, just you know, the, those confidence work into it. Well, um, here's another one. I'm going to keep moving here because I I know we we've got a ton of questions. Um, will I be perceived as weak if I let emotions have a role in my decision making? <laughs> That one I've heard, and I've got to uh, admit that when I first was introduced to emotional intelligence, that was one of the questions I had. Some of these questions I came up with yeah. were ones that I had when I was introduced to this. Yeah. And some people may see you as, as weak because they don't understand where you're coming from now because you, you'll be you know, acting in a different way. You'll be showing... Um, a different face to the world of how you're doing it and having those emotional intelligence skills will help you get through if someone does feel that you're you're weak because your emotion and when we talk about emotions we're not talking about um, crying jags or yeah. yeah things like that it's it's using the emotions for what they're there for when you encounter somebody that has emotional intelligence you know it. You just, you, you sense it. You, you can tell it. And my gut is more than likely they have been working on it. It's not some natural thing that people just wake up one day and they're that way. I agree. But they're not overt about it. There, there's not somebody who's saying, okay, right now I'm going to practice the competency of empathy, everyone. So get ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't put their EQ hat on. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so anyway, so thank you, Jeff, for allowing me to go into that music tangent because you know how much we like to use that here. Yes, I don't. <laughs> but it wasn't Miles Davis, so I, I'm I'm learning. Or Rush. I'm, yeah. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Miles or Rush. Um, so um, let's go back to that. Uh, what are emotions? What is emotional intelligence? Because I know if we start with what is emotional intelligence, that's probably one of the most common ones. Okay. They want that definition. Well, we have to. Do a little neuroscience, and I'm not going to try to pretend that I'm a neuroscientist and know all the, the correct names for all this stuff. But basically, emotions are there to protect you. There's a part of your brain, the amygdala, and some other things that are there to react when you're in danger. You know, you mentioned that your, your counseling work, um, um, you, you primarily focus on relationships. Am I correct in that? That tends to be the foundation. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes, sir. So what does that look like? Because I think about relationships, you know, mother, daughter, husband, wife, partner, partner, whatever it may be. Is there any specific area that you find yourself in more than another? I think a lot. Well, I don't think a lot in the last 
kind of four to five years has been um, the marital area. I mean, I did write mm-hmm. the book, uh, came out last year called Waking Up Marriage. We'll probably get to that a little bit later, but it's, yeah. it's not really the writing of the book that, or the book coming out is the important thing is I decided, so marriage happens to be the, the zone where I do spend a lot of time, but when you mm-hmm. when you peel it back or raise up a little bit, look at the really the macro, macro issue, what, what the word relationship means, Eric. Mm-hmm. It comes from Latin, carry back. And so we are in relationship with every single thing that we encounter, whether it's the checkout person, whether it's the guy cutting you off, whether it's your sister, your mother, your boss, but really we're in relationship with ourselves. And that sounds very new agey and kind of like, um, you know, super holistic. But if you boil it all down, it's, it's our emotions and our reaction to the world are really the only things that we can control. Somebody said this to me 12 years ago, Bill, what's the one thing in the, in the planet, one thing in the world that you can control? And I was coming up with all these things and he said, all we can control is how we feel. That's it. And if we can't control anything else, what I realized, Eric, is that the relationships I was in, whether it was my boss or my parents, were kicking up all these feelings and sensibilities inside of me. So mm. I decided, you know what? I'm going to use my marriage and I'm going to use my interaction with my boss, my friends as the template, as the arena to work on Bill. Because if I can't change it or manage anything else, then why am I spending all this energy blaming, you know, you know, all these things we do to project out whereas really the work is inside. So Mm. it's really for me, it's relationship with Bill is me. That's where I start and try to end. And I've been at it for a long time and I realize I think I've just begun. All right, Jeff. This is not a cryptic episode. We're not uh, we're not exploring uh, the outer reaches of the universe so, to discover life beings and such. Or no X Files stuff. Right. right. No, no, no X Files. No. Uh, even though the new Matrix movie looks very interesting. <laughs> okay. Which that's that, another show. <laughs> that, that means I have to go back and watch the other ones. Again. Yeah. It's. Uh, it, I saw the trailer yesterday. It looks really, really good. But um, we digress, which is our best thing. Yes. At least we're not doing it on bass playing and music. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to it. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll get to it. So Jeff, the unknown. Uh, I got w- one really big question to start with. Is the unknown any different than it's always been? You know, in in my opinion, I think there's more unknown now than there ever has been. Hmm. I mean, if let's say you go back 300 years, which would be 1700, 1720. Right, right, right. Most people had a very limited life experience. They, you know, or 400 years even, maybe better. Most people couldn't read, you know, which wasn't a stigma, just only a few people would read. Books mm-hmm. weren't available. There was you know, probably not a library that just anybody could go get right. one of these hand-printed books. Uh, we didn't have Nova or the Discovery Channel mm-hmm. to get us thinking. Or Google. Google, yes, to get you thinking. And, you know, once you Google one Sorry, thing. even though I got to be careful, Google doesn't always get you thinking. <laughs> but you know what I mean. There's a lot of information inside yes. of the Google uh, servers. Yeah, you can go down rabbit holes too. Yep. But uh, I, I think now, as as we get, as we know more, mm-hmm. we know we know don't we don't know as much. You know, okay. you, you talk to somebody like uh, an astrophysicist. The more they discover, the more they don't understand. Or a neuroscientist with your brain. The more mm-hmm. they find out about the brain is, if they're being honest, they they understand how much they don't understand. I think the key word there is honest. Being honest, yes. 
And spiritual intelligence, when added to emotional intelligence, gives our life's color and texture. Because、mm. if you have one of those without the other, it's more black and white and two dimensional. So, technically, Eric and Jeff, the, the definition that we're using is that spiritual emotional intelligence is the capacity to utilize both spiritual and emotional insight to create a full and meaningful life. So, you know, Jim gave you his interpretation of that. And I think that's also important because for each individual, how we blend the spiritual and the emotional together has some unique qualities for each person. I like how you said unique、uh, because, in our culture, at least I think,、um, so much of the idea of spiritual is thinking of a building and everybody marching in lockstep with this is how it is, this is what you must do. And you're not talking about that, right? No, really not. And it doesn't really matter what the religious or the faith structure may be of each person. And we've had an opportunity to talk to folks from all over the world about some of these things, which has really added to our own insight spiritually and emotionally. How we look at things differently based on how we grew up, what values and faith structure we may or may not hold dear. And if we don't have one, why not? And what's led to that at this point? Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So,、yes. how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at infospiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So, Reviews on all of the platforms wherever you get your podcasts.、Yes. You think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. But, all right. But, but not, still, not totally we want、perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it also might、uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that.、Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or, or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion based. And it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.